Blog Talk Radio. I see it all the time. They leave early in the morning and come back very late. There's so many people living in that house. And that guy, he's always talking for them. We need to report this. Modern day slavery is happening in our own backyard. Know the signs and join the blue campaign in the fight to end human trafficking. Call 1-866-347-2423 or go to www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign for more information. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. Um, I'm your host, Joy Keys, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. And also now the show is on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. Check it out. Rate it. Follow. We love it. You can email me if you have any questions or comments, suggestions at SaturdaysWithJoyKeys at Hotmail.com. Well, this month is Human Trafficking Awareness Month, and some of you may not realize, but human trafficking is happening here in the United States to a variety of people, kids, adults. It's sex trafficking. It could be human labor trafficking. Um, Sometimes people don't think about that as trafficking, but people being held for labor, transported for labor. These are happening, could be happening on your block could be happening in your neighborhood, could be happening in your county, could be happening to young people who are homeless on the street. So um, I had a show earlier in the month um, speaking with someone about it, but this is an author who I've had on a couple times before, and she just has a knack for writing with the youth in mind and issues that really touch their lives. And she writes how we can even help them, things that we may not be aware of, uh, really, you have to listen to her books, and there's so much um, wisdom there without saying it. You know, it's kind of like, oh, right, I should have seen that. Okay, now, oh, if I see that, I'm going to do this, or maybe this is how I can help someone. And also for young people, they write her all the time. She's kind of famous. She actually has a day named after her in Pittsburgh. Um, so this is Sharon G. Flake, and we're going to be talking about the Life I'm In, which is uh, followed up from her really famous book, The Skin I'm In. Um, one of the characters in there uh, is in this new book. Good morning, Sharon G. Flake. Hi, Joy. How are you? I'm doing good. Just trying to get through COVID and decide about this vaccine and, you know, get outside and not stay in the house for three days in a row. <laughs> oh, I know. And now... It's freezing here in Pittsburgh, in Pennsylvania, so <clears throat> so that that has me in the house too. So, <laughs> but you know, I know. We're headed Yesterday, for I went out. Yeah, it'll be better, but it's beautiful today. Like you're from Philadelphia, so Philly in the house. Um, uh, Philly in the house, <laughs> but I live in Pittsburgh. I'm from Philly, but I live on the other side of the state in Pittsburgh. But today, that's okay. On both, the whole state is cold. So, <laughs> the whole state is cold. Now, yeah. your books have uh, warmed the hearts of many. Um, I had you on, like I said, a couple times before. We, we talked about children with disabilities. Um, we talked about uh, colorism issues, uh, so many different things. Um, and this 
book, again, just a wonderful job. Um, I, I'm smiling when I read it. I'm laughing when I read it. Um, I put my head down in just angst when I'm reading it. You take me through so many emotions. Tell the audience just a little bit about the book. Well, The Life I'm In is the follow-up, or we're calling it the sister novel, to my first novel, which was written 23 years ago, called The Skin I'm In. Uh, most people know me by that. There are about a million, um, 75,000 uh, copies of that book on the planet. It's in French and Italian and Korean. You could buy it on six continents. So a lot of people know it. It's about Malika Madison, a girl who's tall and thin and dark, and she's bullied because of how she looks. And um, Malika's 13 years old. Uh, she has a knack for writing, and her teacher helps her explore that and develop that. Her father is deceased, and he has left her marvelous poetry. So when she is struggling to figure out who she is and if she's pretty, if she's not, her father's poetry helps her on that journey, as well as her teacher and her mom. There's a bully in that book. who's probably one of the most infamous bullies at this point in literature, Charlize Jones. <laughs> um, and for years, people have said, whatever became of Charlize Jones? Well, the life I'm in is the answer to that question, because it's Char's story told in her own words. Um, in the skin I'm in, people realize that Char has been left down twice. Her parents are dead. They've been murdered brutally. And I don't think people may have realized that part of her anger was from things that had happened in her own life, right? And to make things work out or to pay the bills, her sister in the first book is given house parties where Char basically is sort of bullied herself. She's having to serve drinks at 3 in the morning, at, at you know, just as a teenager. She's having to mm. do that and um, strangers roaming around. And so here we are a year after that book closes, and Char is on the bus. Because her sister threatened, if you don't get it together, even though her sister was in part responsible for some of what happened to Char, if you don't get it together, mm-hmm. bring yourself to grandmom and them, and they can, um, you know, deal with some of what's happening with you. Well, what happens is Charlize gets on the bus, and all she's thinking about for a while is getting home, getting home, because she's a teenager, and no matter what home looks like, a lot of times we want to be back there. And she gets on that bus, she's upset, she's crying, and things happen. She makes a decision, um, and then a decision is made for her, and she ends up being trafficked. Like I said, listen to that, people, just so many things. But what's interesting is, um, and I guess, I don't know because the lens I'm looking at the book, but the issue for me that really stood out is the trauma that happens to children that we right. are not really aware of because we as people, I think in general, when somebody says, how are you doing? I'm fine. It's okay. Exactly. There's no problem. Why are you in my business? You know, for a kid, it's going to be like, why are you in right. my business? You know, um, right. especially if somebody tries, you know, when children write to you, um, do they write to you about their traumas and ask you what to do and have you responded to them? Well, because this book has just come out, uh, really in January, I haven't heard from young people so much 
right now, only to say, hey, I, I read the skin of them and I loved it. But they do write about their trauma. Um, and, in fact, somebody just wrote about uh, being bullied um, and being teased because she was dark-skinned, right? Mm-hmm. And, and her, 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 her letter said it was, was really a text. And she basically said, listen, you need to do a film, you need to do a movie, you need to keep talking about this. Because the way people make us feel when we're darker skinned is terrible. You know, maybe you get called black, maybe you get called, um, you know, midnight, maybe you get called a lot of names. And people, sometimes when you're young, you think these things are funny. You really do. Uh, You're in school, you're trying to impress your friends. Um, or maybe you're angry like Shar for different reasons, and you pick and you pick and you cut and you cut, and you don't realize a lot of times what you're doing to people. And they are living with that trauma for not just days and weeks, but sometimes decades. So much more yes. also when it comes to trafficking, right? Um, I'm glad you brought up the trauma. I haven't talked a whole lot about that, but in the book, Shar. It's, it's traumatized on one end from the death of her parents. And then once she ends up being trafficked, at the, you know, coming out of that and coming through that, I have her deal with the trauma. I want people to know that what happens when you are taken from your home or taken away, and um, people need to know when you are trafficked, um, you don't um, necessarily have to be moved from point A to point B. It sounds like you will, but you don't, because it's something that can happen in your house, at your school, right? Um, so what Char is, moves around and around from place to place, and it happens and it goes on for a while. Um, you lose control. You lose your sense of power. Um, people take away your security, maybe your phone, um, not being able to contact people, not being able to make contact with people on the street. At one point in the book, um, there is a person that she runs into trying to get some help. And he pretty much acts like she doesn't exist. And I think yeah, that's one thing. Get, that's that's station, station. Yeah, we have, to, we have to open our eyes and see what's also around us. But then when she deals with the trauma, it does go on for a while because I want people to know that you're not going to get through this overnight, and to work your way through it also takes caring organizations and caring adults. And even for a while, they don't really want an organization involved. They're afraid. So that becomes part of her trauma, the fear that Anthony will come back, the fear that he'll hurt her friends that she made while she was out there, the fear of losing her confidence, losing her sense of self. Well, you know, one of the things they do is they took all her information, which, like, typically her social security number, where does her sister live, um, you know, her grandparents. They took all this information from her, and she was in a corner so that when she, you know, finally got out, he had all this information about her and people that she knew, and she was just constantly staring at the door expecting him to, you know, come and knock. Um, but right. now there's exactly. some other stuff going on. There's some other things going on, some other stories. She's a little bully in this as well um, in the beginning of the book um, with a young lady. But it, what's interesting is 
there's two sides of every story. She's bullying this young lady, but she needs this other young lady that was like almost like her friend because well, she, she didn't have anybody Malika else. In the first book. It's interesting because you see her as still bullying Malika in the second book, but I don't. No, I see no, just her. a little bit. Just you a little in the still, beginning. Of the she still, well, she's still Well, she angry, goes back and forth. Right? Yeah, she's still angry, yeah, but Malika stands up for herself. Yeah, Malika stands up Malika for herself, definitely. Has, yeah, Malika finally mm-hmm. has learned to put up boundaries, which is part mm-hmm. of Malika's journey in the first book. Malika, again, is the protagonist or the hero, if you will, in the first book, and the girl that gets yep. Malika. When you find her later, you could tell from the first chapter she's not the same person. And Shar doesn't know this right at first, so Shar is pulling her Shar moves, right? you know, threatening it. But at the same time, you see that Shar is not the same person. I wanted to show people that Shar is not the same person, that she's a little broken in a different way. She's a little, she's vulnerable. She's yes. more vulnerable. She's afraid. Mm-hmm. We never got to see Shar afraid in the first book. You really didn't get to see her very vulnerable to the very end of the first book. And I needed people to know that Malika wasn't the same girl that you can grow through your struggles. That's for both girls, right? You could grow yes, through your yes. struggles. So it's a book about trafficking, but it's also a book about second chances and redemption and about growing through our mess and growing through our struggles. And helping. Yeah, it's not because going to last. So go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say that things don't last forever. When you're a teenager, it's just like, oh my God, this is going to be like this forever. Like, you cannot see any way out of it. Your life is just, like, the worst, um, you know. And one of the things is um, also in the book is dealing with poverty and what people have to do when they're in a state of poverty. And it's not like they necessarily want to do that. So, like, for example, her sister's throwing the parties. Her sister's trying to survive, you know. And also the girls that she meets um, out when she, when she runs away, they're trying to survive. And so they do all they're these things. They're trying to survive. They're trying yes. to survive. And then at the end, and then and once they're trafficked, they're forced to live a certain way. They are, their human rights are taken away, right? Their, their mm-hmm. ability to make choices are really taken away. Um, and I, I, I've tried to show in here a sense of the power and strength of women and girls when they are working together and in unison together in spite of, what's happening with the trafficking, right, so that we also get to see um, Char lifting, Malika lifting Char, right, and Char lifting some other people as well as Malika at some point so that sometimes when you see girls like Char, you think they're only bottomless wells that you have to fill up with your knowledge, your wisdom, your information, your, and that mm-hmm. the homes that they may come from are only um, – poor examples of something. And so I wanted people to see that she picked up some really good survival skills living with her sister and her mom. Yes. Right? Yes. You also in that book get to see that her life was different before her parents died. Right? Yeah. Her parents that's, were that's the, yeah. maybe not what people might have thought. They were very different. She was different. That, you know, she had even been skipped a grade when she was younger. So she wasn't always somebody that failed class. Something happened, and it changed the trajectory of her life. Um, and yeah, so that's, and that's, that's why I always yeah. want people to see. But let's look and actually see P 
people in situations before we just judge them. Yeah, you can't always judge a book by its cover, and that's what happens in the community. And also when she runs away, you see people judging her. But um, as a reader, if you um, maybe even had read The the Skin I'm In, and now you see uh, Char and she gets a baby, she comes in contact with a baby. Well, you can't tell and... them. Don't tell them everything. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, all right, so we're not going to talk about that. All right, so let's see. But so let's talk about. Care. You see, she has really good care, caretaking skills. You know, yeah, they're that, not. That's perfect. where I was going with that. Mm-hmm, and I, I constantly try to remind people through the coloring, through the caretaking, that this is a 16-year-old because I think when you look at girls and you especially look at black girls, whether they're in America or around the globe, people judge us harshly. People don't always give them the benefit of the doubt. People don't always see them as, as children. Well, you know, there's right? a thing of adultification of black right. teens. And that right. happens for boys and girls in different ways. For the girls, you know, they're resilient. They don't need any help. They're tough. They're sexualized. Um, you know, for right. boys, you know, it's like this big, scary monster. You know, uh, all these labels that are put on, they're still children. And they're making choices based on what their life is like. I mean, I've talked to people and sometimes, we're like, well, why would somebody do that? Well, why do you think that they didn't have the choices that you might have had? So their life is taking a different path. And it doesn't help that then when they, they're in the community, they're going to school, they're going to the store, and you're looking at them a certain way um, about that, that they should know better. Um, and, and with her case, right. like when she tried to get help, you know, she's dressed looking like a prostitute. So the person, you know, is like, I want to get, in, you know, go there. But um, let's go back to this human trafficking because this is, this is the beauty of the book here is the slowness and the deliberate nature that this person goes after her. Um, and at first, the grooming I was, I was like, he does. A, the grooming, and that's the word, the grooming. It's very slow. It's over several weeks. or it, it, it's, it's not like a one day he saw her and he grabbed her. Now, of course, that can happen too. But this particular guy was grooming her. And I even thought, oh, well, is he just, is he really going to, oh, maybe he's going to be okay because, you know, she met a couple angels along the way. She, she really met. She met several angels along the way that really helped her um, in the present moment, and then when, in the future in the book, they helped her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important mm-hmm. to know for kids and for adults that you know you might be having a hard time or things might, but there can there can always be some angel, if you will. And I'm just I mean you don't have to believe in God or anything, but I'm just saying angel. Uh, now I'm going to be using that, can, that word from now on because that's exactly what they are. I wanted people to know that there are a people out there that can help and will help. And for us to think of ourselves as just like um, Mr. Rogers says, as one of the helpers. And so thank you. Mm-hmm. I love that term, angels. I'll be using that. Yeah, because, you know, people come and talk about and complain about things, right? This is me. You're complaining about something. Well, what are you doing about it? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. all I have to mm-hmm. say. What are you doing about it? We can't fix that. And there were many ways people stepped up in this book, and they were not perfect people. 
right? Exactly, exactly. Some of those people we wouldn't give the time of day to. Let's face it, some of us would not give them the time of day because we wouldn't think, and I'll just say the woman that lived in her building, that we just think, oh, we don't like that lifestyle. We don't like, they're not this. We're constantly making judgments about that. And so I'm always also trying to say, and here's the rest of the story, with a person with a character, here's the rest of the story. Um, they, they're not perfect, but we're not perfect. But I, wanted, I don't want to get you off track because you were talking about this grooming, and he does do it. Anthony does do it over a period of time because I wanted to be able to show people sort of like a slow-motion camera. This is sort of what that grooming mm. is like. There are times yes. when are trafficked. They are um, they're snatched up. You're absolutely right. And there's sometimes that they are, they're groomed. Even when they're snatched up, you get groomed, right? Groomed, but I wanted yep. a slow motion look at this is how it happens because the truth of the matter is Charlie doesn't just say, "Okay, let's go." That's a great idea, right? Kids are not really no. Doing that. She she's very that. cautious of him. She's very cautious, but but she because of, it's Charlize and her own temperament. She, and she's sixteen, and she thinks she also knows the world like many many sixteen year olds, no matter where they come from. She mm-hmm. also has this sort of yeah, like, I know, like, you know, I see what he's up to, but, you know, really, but she doesn't fully see, and she has her own, she has her own barriers, too. She has her own standard, where she's like, no, I'm not going to call you that, I'm not going to go that, oh, you want me to go to dinner, um, like, one o'clock in the morning? Basically, I don't even know you. No, you're my Bible. Yeah, well, right? Yeah, well, she had some people earlier in her life that kind of helped make make her strong, I think, and, and show her, like, certain behaviors were not right. So she was listening to, to those voices, I think, and that helped her to a point, you and know, even to Juju, a point. And that's why, even Juju, that's why I periodically had her say, and Juju said, or Juju would do, because even though Juju was throwing those parties and there were too many adults roaming that house, Juju did also still have some um, parameters around her, right? She did make a Yeah, and Juju, let me just tell you, Juju was Char's sister in the book. That's her older sister. Char's sister. Yeah. And and, and she says, remember, I was not sort of fully grown myself when they died. She wasn't a baby, but she wasn't, you know, and, and, and that people would look, and and worried or it's not work they didn't do much but is Shar okay? But because she mm-hmm. was she was in her twenties, there wasn't much thought to look after her to see weeks, months, years later, or how are you doing? Your both your parents were murdered. Are you okay? So she didn't right. she wasn't getting some stuff herself. But Anthony yeah. well, that brings groomed yeah. this girl. Slowly, methodically, um he is after her. Um and when she is in tough enough straits, looking for pennies on the ground, making soup out of water and to make ketchup, ketchup. Mm-hmm. He, he finally strikes. Mm-hmm. Like a python. And, and she finally hears him in that sense and thinks, oh, yeah, he only wants me to go do this. It's, it's no big deal. It's, you know, it's work. It's not... And if that wasn't anything sexual, I won't say what it was. It wasn't anything sexual. It's just, oh, okay, he wants me to, okay, you know, I, I did this at my sister's house. I can do house. that. I, you know, I yeah. can do that. It's, nothing, it's no big deal. 
and then yep. the next thing, yep. and I think that's the thing that they, you know, these these people, they're mostly men, but not all men, manipulate. They know children. There's a reason why a lot of them focus in on children. Children are vulnerable. Children are impressionable. A lot of uh, young people who may be trafficked are 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 um, runaways, but not only runaways, right? Because they can find yeah. you outside your house, outside your school, um, on a class trip in McDonald's. Um, and I think we have to have these kinds of books so we can have these kind of conversations, parents, teachers, young people, and the full conversation, right? The helpers. Yeah, well, one of the things, one of the things also, yes, and, and one of the things I want to bring up because we're, we're getting down to a time limit, but, you, I, you know, I'm, art is uh, at the core of me and art, you know, visual art, music, theater, whatever. So I love that in the book you bring that in as part of healing, um, using uh-huh. art, um, whether she's writing or, or, or coloring, it's a part of healing. And that's why it's such a shame when art is taken out of schools and the kids are forced to just prepare for tests. That's my opinion. Um, it's oh, it's I, the opinion I'm of many it. others. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I, so I think that's great. And, um, you know, people don't think that that's important, but art not only for healing, but art also people learn differently. You know, people learn, right. um, some people are physical. That's why they're great athletes. And there are people who are audio, auditory, you know, visual, everything. So we need education for a variety of students. Um, the healing is also important. Like you said, the sister hadn't really healed herself, even though she was older. But we still have um, barriers to African-Americans getting the proper um, therapy, with, you know, culturally competent therapists, you know? Yeah, but I, I, but that's why I wanted to even have her just talk about therapy as another way to say, hey, that is, um, that is something that it's okay, right? Because um, mm-hmm. first we have to believe that, hey, it's useful and it's a useful tool and, and I, it's another way I can help take care of myself. Um, and I think more and more of us are, I think there was, Years ago, we just, as black people, never talked about it. Oh, we don't go to therapy. Black people don't go to therapy. And so now you're having more conversations. I've been to therapy more times than I can count. So, oh, I love therapy. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you're seeing movie stars and, and rappers talk about therapy. And so, again, I wanted to remind people that that is when you go through this sort of thing, um, you need to be inside of a, a trauma-infused center where people are giving you different modalities for healing. For th- you know, therapy looks different ways, right? Art may be one way. Sitting down yeah. one on one with somebody might be one way. It might be group therapy. Those organizations know what these kinds of uh, survivors need to help heal. So healing is also on the table um, in in this book. Well, I'm going to be giving some copies away of your book, so I want to encourage um, people to check me out on social media. I want to give the um, human, National Human Trafficking Hotline number. It's 1-888-373-7888. Again, 1-888-373-7888. Also, you can text BEFREE, B-E-F-R-E-E. B-E-F-R-E-E to 233 
Um, and also, um, you can go to their site, and they have a variety of resources. Um, this is the National Human Trafficking uh, website. Um, there's also organization, Polaris. Um, they deal with um, human trafficking as well. Um, there's a lot of places out there, and they are sensitive to what people are going through. If you know somebody, if you are going through something, um, they, they can help you. Um, so I, I encourage you to reach out um, to get some help or if you know somebody to help them. Thank you so much, Sharon, for coming on. This is the third time you've been on. You know that, right? <laughs> I do know that. Thank you so much. I always appreciate you. I'm happy to be I here and your you book. keep doing good work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you know what? Now, Sharon, you wait. You you're on, you're on social media. You're on social I media. Know. Tell them you're – yeah, go ahead. You could reach me at SharonGFlake.com. I'm also on Facebook at, I think, Sharon Flake and um, Instagram at Sharon Flake. Um, if you Google me, put my name in there, I'll pop up. You get to see all my books. You can buy me on Amazon, my work on Amazon at your local bookstore. Um, just go in there and ask. If it's not sitting up there at Barnes & Noble, then certainly tell them to order it, and they will. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, you have a great weekend, okay? I will. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the show. I just got off the phone with author Sharon G. Flake. She has written so many books. I can't even name them all. She's been on the show three times. That's how much I love her and love her books. I'll be giving away some copies. So you want to follow me at Joy Keys on Twitter. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday mornings with Joy Keys. And on Instagram, Saturdays um, with Joy Keys on Instagram. I hope you guys have a great weekend. And tune in. I'll be talking about cervical cancer uh, with a couple of guests, three wonderful guests. All right, talk to you soon. Stigma may not directly affect you, but it harms the one in five Americans living with mental health conditions. Which prevents millions of people from seeking help. So do yourself and everyone a favor. Go to CureStigma.org and get tested for stigma.